Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to The Ray Taylor Show, where I bring you reviews of the latest TV shows and movies, as well as classic and foreign films. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and on this podcast, I'll be talking about all things film and television. Whether you're looking for a new show to binge or want to know if that blockbuster is worth the trip to the theater or just want to hear my thoughts on a classic or foreign film, I've got you covered. So join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes and let's dive into the world of film and television together. On today's episode, I am finally talking about the newest Martin Scorsese film, Killers of the Flower Moon. came out last year, 2023, of course, directed and written by Martin Scorsese, co-written by Eric Roth, based on a book written by David Gran. This movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, Jesse Plemons, amongst many other great actors with some surprising cameos in this movie when an oil when oil is discovered in 1920s oklahoma under osage nation land the osage people are murdered one by one until the fbi steps in to unravel the mystery uh this was a movie that uh you know, I had mixed feelings on going in. First off, I wasn't the biggest fan of Scorsese's last film, The Irishman. Did not like that movie. Would like to go back and rewatch it, but wasn't a big fan of it. I thought the de-aging stuff on De Niro was garbage. Uh, and uh, there, the, I had other issues. The length is another issue, which coming into this movie, being another film, not only by Scorsese, but by what seems to be a trend in many directors, especially the older variety of directors, you know, James Cameron being another one. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this trend where movies are over two hours and this one clocking in at about three and a half hours. So not looking forward to that going into this movie. However, I do love this Scorsese movie. I do love it in general. It's it's a great movie. I mean, it's I didn't have any issues with this movie, uh, and the you know the the things that made me nervous weren't an issue. Obviously, no de aging in this. Uh, the three and a half hour runtime wasn't an issue. Uh, so you know, I do love Scorsese movies in general. I love them. I love. DiCaprio and De Niro in films I think they're both great actors although De Niro in his older age has done a lot of just movies for the sake of getting a paycheck it seems like and not really putting on a performance that we would get through something that was directed by Scorsese I also love Lily Gladstone in uh, I've seen her in Reservation Dogs. I don't know if I've seen her in anything other than Reservation Dogs and this movie, but I loved her in her small part of Reservation Dogs. So going into this movie, I had mixed anticipation for this film. Uh, you know, for a film that's three and a half hours long, but it's a movie I needed to watch. As there are still a handful of movies that I need to watch, I want to watch before... I make my top five movies, our top five list of uh, my favorite movies of 2023, which will be part of my top five podcast, which is a podcast that comes out every Sunday where I rank movies in a variety of categories. I will be doing my top five movies of 2023 very soon. But like I said, a few movies that I still need to get around to, this being one of them. And with all of that said, I do love this movie. Uh, I was along for the entire ride, and the final third, which in this movie is more than an hour long, uh, the final third really kind of gave me a shot of energy, which is needed in a movie that's almost four hours long, P closer to four hours than two hours. Um, and I don't think ultimately, despite the fact that I do like this movie a lot, I love this movie, uh... I don't think it will ultimately make my top five list. I mean, I still haven't gone over the list, but you never know. But it 
even if it doesn't make my top five list of the year, because five only five years out of uh, a year full of movies is a difficult thing, and the films I choose tend to be movies that resonate with me on a personal level and not just a, an artistic achievement or technical type of a level. So we will see. But this movie did make me want to go back and into Scorsese's filmography and fill in a lot of the blind spots that I have because I haven't watched all of his more recent films. I haven't watched all of his more classic films. So... But I've seen the bulk. I've seen the important ones. I've seen the big ones. So this made me want to go back, dive back in. You know, I was scared that maybe Scorsese maybe lost a step, as some older directors do. They tend to fall off or get preoccupied with doing things that uh, make their films worse, which I thought was what he was going to start doing after The Irishman. You know, dabbling in special effects in that way. And I was, you know, I was concerned. I was concerned. You never know. You never know. Uh, but this movie made me want to go back and uh, really just watch more of his films. Um, and I would recommend this movie, right? If you're a fan of uh, anyone that's involved with this movie, uh, DiCaprio, De Niro, Gladstone, Scorsese, if you're a fan of anybody involved, uh, then you will probably like this movie as well. And also, if you want to see like a similar style of Scorsese movie, right? There's sil similar elements in this movie that are in most other Scorsese movies, but with a subject matter and uh, the people involved, you know, the characters involved are far different or at least more unique than a lot of the characters in other Scorsese films. So I enjoy seeing... Scorsese tell a story that is very different than many of the other stories that he's told um, and a story in which it informs informed me historically informed me uh, in a way that I appreciate and is sad that movies are sometimes the only form of history lessons that uh people in our country get uh that seem to open up stories and talk about things that aren't part of the national narrative but all in all i think scorsese's got it i definitely recommend it again and uh yeah i, I enjoyed this this movie we will get back to the show after this short message are you a true fan of the ray taylor show do you crave more content, more insight, more of everything that makes this show great? Then Inspired Disorder Plus is exactly what you need. For only $5 a month, transform your listening and viewing experience into something extraordinary. No more waiting, no more ads. Enjoy the full week of episodes of The Ray Taylor Show in both audio and video formats, completely ad-free. But that's just the beginning. You'll get access to early access to the Many Faces series, dive into extensive live painting archives. You also get to enjoy deals and discounts only available to our members. The perks don't just stop there. Delve into the expansive back catalog of over 14 shows with 618 episodes get personal with ray taylor through his blog through my blog expand your horizons with my creative writing section and participate in the ama sessions where your questions bring to life our community ready to step up your game visit inspireddisorder.com plus and join our exclusive club it's not just content it's an experience. See you on the plus side. Now let's get back to the show. And maybe this movie could have been shorter, right? But I would say instead of cutting it down, this story should have almost been told in a miniseries. Like this movie could, this story could have been longer. Like if they had turned this three and a half hours, they could have turned this into like a three or four hour long miniseries easily turn it into a miniseries 
Um, and I would have loved it, right? A three-part miniseries. Each part is like, you know, an hour and a half long. Give you a little bit more room to work with Scorsese. But I think there's a stigma that a lot of older directors have. And it's something that I see in podcasters also. Podcasters that are around my age that are, for some reason, worried that telling stories in a long narrative form, which isn't even that long, a two in 90 minute to three and a half hour length form is somehow going to become extinct when in reality like there's more movies and tv shows being made today than probably ever before now they may not all be getting released in movie theaters a lot of movies get released straight to streaming platforms these days which has really upended the whole stigma of what used to be straight to video so i think there's a prestige an ego involved with these directors who are like so passionate about their work being shown in a th theatrical manner in theaters, not turning it into a miniseries, which I think as far as the story goes... I think this would have been one of the greatest miniseries ever made if this was turned into a miniseries. But then as a film, you know, it's a great film. But it's, you know, I think it, I think the three and a half hour runtime hurts it. I think it hurts it in that it will, it, it won't be, most people aren't willing to sit for three and a half hours to watch a movie in this form. But if it was in a miniseries form, which is a completely different viewing experience, I could see this being viewed by so many more people. Because even the act of watching a movie at home is different from watching it in a theater. Which I don't think these people... Like, every one of these directors that complains that puts out a three-hour-long movie... Scorsese and James Cameron I'm thinking of specifically they compare watching a movie in a movie theater to binging a show at home as if binging a show at home doesn't have natural breaks every 30 to 60 minutes where even though the next episode may load automatically there's still that intermission point between episodes where you can pause where you can take a break where if you're done watching for the day this is a good st this is a good spot to to stop and come back to it tomorrow there's these natural chapters that exist where when you're in a movie theater and you're watching a movie that does not have an intermission and that is like actively against intermissions in a three and a half hour long movie that is a completely different viewing experience where you are not able to leave for three and a half hours, where if you're watching anything for three and a half hours at home, you are pausing stuff, you are taking breaks, you are going to get drinks and snacks and restroom breaks whenever you want. You are not held hostage in a place where you are unable to choose when to play and pause the movie you're watching. It is a completely different experience. And the fact that these directors make that comparison only shows how out of touch they are when it comes to people's viewing habits at home. Because I can binge a show, and I love binging a show. I will spend 12 hours binging a show. But I would never binge that show inside of a movie theater. I would never do that. Because I couldn't pause it, because I'd be sitting in this one seat. I've been to, like, I've been to film festivals where you're watching movie after movie after movie, and there are breaks in between those movies. There are breaks in between every 90 to 60 minutes, but you're there watching a total of, like, you know, six, eight hours of movies. It's exhausting.
to watch a bunch of movies in a theater like that. Whereas at home, it's a completely different experience. So I would have loved to see this as I think this movie would have, this story would have benefited from a longer runtime split into segments like a miniseries. Regardless, I didn't mind the three and a half hour long runtime. Um, and to, to be fair, like most movies are being produced, not Scorsese's movies, but most movies are being produced like they are TV shows where they aren't just one movie where they are all intended to be a universe. They're all intended to have multiple installments, or at least that's the hope, right? Movies have become the new pilots in a lot of ways, which is sad, is sad, because that means we're not getting as many films made that aren't potentially going to launch a universe, right? It's rare that a movie like The Holdovers, that, like I reviewed last week, would be produced nowadays, probably done independently in a lot of ways but that's not a movie that's opening up some universe of films of sequels it's a one-off and i think most studios are hoping for a marvel or a star wars even though those properties have shown to be like just at there's a tipping point where they go from being these exciting things to being exhausting and too much and inconsistent, wildly inconsistent. So, I mean, if anything, it would be nice if they threw in an intermission in these movies. So, thankfully, this movie, along with many Indian films that I watched that are well over two hours, some over three hours and don't necessarily have intermissions, at least justify their runtime. This movie justifies its runtime. Versus some movies, James Cameron, uh, to be one of them, or somebody like uh, Zack Snyder. Like s Some of these movies could, could stand to cut a lot of fat. Like They don't need to be these ridiculous runtimes. But apart from the runtime... I do love the change in story, kind of similar themes that Scorsese has done in the past, but a, a new, different story, uh, right? It's not like Italians or mob bosses or like some crime group of some sort, casinos or New York or whatever it is, although those aren't all of C Scorsese's films. He does other films as well, but... So it's interesting to see kind of a new flavor for Scorsese. And I love that it's a unique and unknown story about a tribe of Native Americans and how they were prospering, why they were prospering. And we see how whenever money and resources are involved, how people will try to disrupt and steal them. Whether it's the group of people in this movie or if it's, literal governments destabilizing other governments initiating a coup so that they could have access to the natural resources in that area i mean you look at the middle east for one big example the constant destabilization of that region why because of oil it's it's always resource it's always oil in this movie it just happens to be oil as well and this movie, very dark, very dark movie with some very evil people, right? Like, m maybe some of the most evil? Again, I need to watch more Scorsese films. He loves to center his films. The, the main characters of films tend to be evil people. And we're, we see evil people in Scorsese films as they ultimately have a rise and fall situation going so it's always interesting to see these stories being told from the villain's perspective and there's also a saying in this movie like at the beginning of this movie in in, in reference to wolves the whole idea of wolves and sheep clothes sheep's clothing right although in this movie 
there's wolves that are wearing other costumes instead of sheep sheep's clothing uh, metaphorical sheep's sheep's clothing um but in general another great performance from dicaprio love him in this uh just as i loved him in once upon a time in hollywood i think he's he's doing great work P- possibly his best uh f- performance in a scorsese film i would say i mean his performance is pretty great in wolf of wall street as well but I think this one is a, a great performance from him. Um, it, the stretch of DiCaprio playing somebody who's ugly. Uh, they do a great job changing his teeth in order to kind of pull off this the, the fact that we're supposed to be uh, buying that DiCaprio is an ugly person. Also, Leo, I think, doing a lot of the heavy lifting with that, really putting on a permanent like frown, really trying to accentuate jowls and uh, kind of scrunching his face, really doing a lot of the the transformation into this person is done, I would say, through the facial features and expressions of DiCaprio's character. Um, and some great scenes, some great long one-shot scenes on DiCaprio just acting, uh, which is great as well. And he's playing... What I would say is one of the most complex characters in many films. I mean, this character he's playing, Ernest uh, Burkhart, very complex character who is in many ways trying to play all sides at once. Very complex, compelling character in the center in many ways of all of this stuff. Uh, of course, Lily Gladstone is amazing in this Love that she won a Golden Globe. I hope. Would love to see her win uh, an Academy Award. I don't know if it is the best. I don't even know if they've nominated, put out nominations yet for that. But uh, I would love to see it. I think her performance in this is great. Aspects of her performance actually reminded me of Cindy Poitier, uh, specifically in Heat of the Night, in the Heat of the Night. Which I don't know if I've seen that many Sidney Poitier performances, but in the heat of the night, one of my favorite, uh, more recent discoveries uh, in ranking the best picture winners of I think the seventies when that movie came out, and love that movie, love Sidney Poitier's performance in that, and she is doing a very similar performance, at least in the beginning of this film, or at least the first half of this film, very calm and reserved. And then eventually becoming uh, that performance changing uh, and becoming more of a a performance away from that calm and reserved performance uh, towards the end, which I appreciated the the range of her character's performance, of her performance as that character, I should say. De Niro also great as someone uh, who is thankfully playing an old person who is somebody who's like a revered outsider of the tribe, right? He's an old friend of an old tribal leader or somebody that was really well regarded in the tribe. And he's kind of kind of been adopted into the tribe in many ways. They accept him um, and accept at least accept his, his help. He seems to be really trying to spearhead the help, trying to help these people with sicknesses and stuff like that right but of course wolves in sheep's clothing uh is is a, a, a great kind of aspect to this movie and uh great performances all of that stuff i, I was really you know all the all the puzzle pieces of this movie really fit together and was really pleased with all the cameos too kind of surprised and pleased with all the cameos in what is like the last third of this movie Pretty great. Pretty great. Let's take a brief interlude from our episode today. Hey, art aficionados and those who cherish a splash of creativity in their lives, I want to introduce you to something extraordinary. The Many Faces is a series that captured my heart, and I bet it will capture yours too. These aren't just paintings. They are stories told through the medium of ink on paper, each depicting an abstract, surreal face which has its own unique essence. The artist, me, behind the series, 
pours my heart and soul into creating each new masterpiece every single day. And the best part, you can own one of these enchanting pieces with a price starting at just $20. That's for a 4 by 6 inch painting and their sizes and a story for everyone. Envision an original artwork from the many faces, bringing a touch of mystery and emotion to your own space. If this sparks your curiosity, don't hesitate. Explore the full collection over at InspiredDisorder.com and find the piece that resonates with you. Now, let's dive back into the heart of our show. But I do want to talk about spoilers, so spoiler warning from here on out. If you don't want to be spoiled on the details of Killers of the Flower Moon, this is your warning. You have been warned. Spoiler warnings from here on out. I love that we get the history and background on the Osage as our lead, uh, Ernest DiCaprio's character, is reading a book about them which is recommended by William De Niro's character uh, so it's a it's a a great way to for the audience to be educated because I would imagine the majority of people have never ever heard or learned about this historical fact which I don't even know if it's a historical fact I I didn't double check I assume since there's not outrage about the historical inaccuracies, which I'm sure there are, but I would imagine if this entire story was made up, there would be the right wing of this country would be up in arms about be taking no, which in the comments of this movie, I will probably see the right wing people uh, giving me their historical corrections, which they did with the woman king as well. But in general, I think this is, for the most part, true uh, about what happened with Osage. It would make sense. I don't know if Scorsese would necessarily fabricate an entire this entire thing. But I love how that information is given to the audience through our main character, reading a book on it. Uh, the way they wear their, just like the costuming is great in this as well, but specifically how the Osage women wear what I had always thought of as like blankets or textiles like decorative textiles wearing them as like shawls or like uh some people would wear like fur coats like over their shoulder uh kind of almost has a like a japanese type of a look to it the way they wear these uh these textiles beautiful and of course you have the aspect of this where you have all this white guy being encouraged to marry for money and family ownership of the oil and the land. Like, right from the beginning, you see that there's, like, an effort for Williams trying to convince Ernest to marry one of these Native American women in order to get their land rights because it's this very valuable land. And the family, the families are the only ones that have them. So it's very important for, which already from the beginning of this movie, it feels like William Hale, De Niro's character, has our ulterior motives, despite the fact that in the beginning, he's very charitable and seems very passionate about helping the Osage people. But of course wolf in sheep's clothing but i had no idea that there was the tribe that was so wealthy and that had like servants and butlers and drivers like they were lit and that like poor white people would be trying to marry for money it is such a like a unique story that you never hear about you never hear about native americans being wealthy aside from Maybe more modern day people will will try and say that in regards to certain tribes having casinos. But I st still I don't think the the wealth is necessarily comparable to 1920s Osage with this land. 
Um, but of course, finding out that they have this land, it's like, okay, instantly I know of, oh, where this movie is going. Like, things aren't going to go well for this tribe. Um, and despite the fact that the Native Americans have the wealth and are living high-class lives, still the white supremacy and racism exists where white people will still talk down to them. Will still, despite the fact that they're living in like large houses with staff and living nice lives, the white people will still take opportunity to call them savages at any at any opportunity because white supremacy runs deep and it's just it's disgusting but i do love our our lead or the our other lead molly or yeah molly uh, lily gladstone as molly her performance very composed very minimal very much like sydney poitier uh an interesting performance from leo trying to be ugly kind of a weaselly character scrunching his face slouching nasty teeth uh but he makes an effort like he i think he does a good job i think he pulls it off after i think he like by that i mean he feels like he disappears into the character uh for the most part and then there's a moment after and during a funeral that happens where william starts to break down i forget if it's after her sister dies i mean there's a lot of death in this movie but you see more of william's kind of end game as he starts breaking down how all of the women in the family uh of this family die uh then Ernest will get the land like if they all die then he will get the land front when his wife dies right really kind of planning the end game for what they want because for some reason uh in this tribe according to William or at least maybe that's what he is basing he's using as a way to justify what he's doing uh, that women in this in this tribe don't live past their 50s, which maybe they just don't survive past their 50s would be more of a an apt uh, explanation. Um, but his energy in telling Ernest this is more of a guy pitching a business plan versus somebody who's concerned over the family's well-being, losing members and losing potentially their land to these white husbands that keep marrying these native women and uh they the wives eventually die and the husbands end up surviving with whatever's left meaning the land and deeds and all that stuff um and right away he seems like a wolf in sheep's clothing de niro's character right especially after her sister dies and he has uh all the uh information right her sister dies so molly lily gladstone's character wants to investigate she's like this is ridiculous why are so many people dying my sister just died she hires a private hires a private investigator william takes it upon himself to be kind of the bottleneck in information wanting all the information to go through him which putting that piece together with what he said before talking to Ernest, it's clear that he wants to control the information and hide whatever kind of leads they may get. Also in this is the concern of diabetes, a big issue in this one, which because of what's happening at sometimes it's hard to understand or believe if the diabetes is actually a thing that's happening, which makes sense indigenous people changing their diets to process white people food and having an uh, a negative effect on them you see that in all indigenous peoples that are introduced to this type of food how they have higher rates of diabetes and all these other different kinds of health diseases so i can see how diabetes could be an issue in reality for the tribe but i can also see how that is just how they're using to like a way for them to justify and hide the fact that all these people are being killed um 
there's the scene where Ernest uh, messes up their plan, right? Gets a guy, hires a guy to kill one of the men, and the guy who does it doesn't do it right, doesn't make it look like a suicide, right? Because they want everything to look like disease or suicide, right? Because those are the two, two things. And in his punishment, which is very interesting makes you realize that this is much more of an organized thing going on that like William is a, a um, God, what are those people called that secret society? Um, ah, blanking on the, uh, the society that he belongs to, but regardless, Ernest gets paddled, which is just, I mean, all cults are all cults are so stupid. All these secret organizations are so stupid. But he ends up getting paddled, which is a very interesting scene, and really makes you realize that oh, it's it's more than just this William guy. Like this is a systematic uh, extermination of the native people and a way to exterminate and extract what they own um, in a systematic way. Uh, and also he starts getting all these life insurance policies, like the, the insurance scams that are being done in this are like constant and so like easily identifiable as being cons, uh, as being fraud. But, uh, I guess early days of insurance, that was a very common thing. Um, but him getting, life insurance on a guy who's suicidal so it's like you, they need to keep him alive long enough to where when he does die it will look legitimate so he can still get his claim and this guy is like suicidal he's sad he's constantly like when they take him in for his checkup he's like i sad all the time what am i going to do about this this uh melancholy and they're like oh you should just go get some booze you should just drink because we all know booze really helps. Like that's why there's zero depression in America because of all the booze that's available. That's why there's no depression in the world because everybody has access to booze. And he's like, when he leaves, he's like, I need either I need booze and you need to get me booze or you need to get me a gun. Like there, those are the only two options that I am willing to uh, deal with this either ending it all or, uh, drinking the the remaining years of my life away. And De Niro is like, well, I can't have you killing yourself yet. <laughs> I, you, I need this insurance policy because you, quote, unquote, owe me money, and I want more money. You're worth more to me dead later than dead now. And part of it is this guy's shame of his wife cheating on him with somebody else, I think also her his first wife was uh, Molly. It's just a, a sad, sad situation. But at the heart of it, evil is within William big time, right? This guy who earned the trust of all of them, this entire tribe, when in reality he is the cancer. He is the cancer that is killing all of them. And dressed the facade of this guy is that he is the one person who is doing everything to try and help them when in reality he is the one causing all of this it's just it's it's absolutely it's it's sad and it's evil and it's a, a crazy role um and because this murder ends up oh no DiCaprio's character messed up earlier because of an insurance scam with his car. The time where the murder looked like a murder instead of a suicide is kind of when things start to unravel, right? You're starting to see things unraveling, which I'm like, okay, right? Let's see. I've been waiting. Like, I knew that was going to be the thing. Seeing how everything unravels, how is this organized kind of... Cr unique crime organization how are they going to be exposed and seeing it all unravel is satisfying right 
there's also a great shot that is used multiple times in the the last part of this movie of this shot Scorsese has through heat of a fire like there's a farm being burned again for another insurance scam but you're seeing the way it looks is so beautiful this shot you're seeing like people on horsebacks and you're seeing people and everybody through this fire is pretending to try and put this fire out right because they want to make it look like it was an accident and it's a shot that he goes back to and it's just such a beautiful shot you know it almost looks like an expressionistic animation of sorts like it is just so beautiful um to see the shot and i'm glad that it's not just in one moment that scorsese kind of cuts back to that shot over and over again uh you have the interrogation when the fbi gets involved and brings Ernest in making him stand up the entire time after he's already drunk uh getting him uh making sure they got him when he was drunk and then making him stand up the whole time. Right. And him getting constantly annoyed by this fly. Another moment of great performance from DiCaprio. And then I love seeing everybody flip on each other as the FBI starts, you know, bringing people in. It's just like people are willing to, they're not going to jail for this bullshit, especially, you know, it's, it's so great. And then, Finally, Molly gets medical care, which with her character so calm and composed, and then she starts getting sick, right, as far as the diabetes, and then having her insulin being poisoned by her own husband and her health deteriorating and deteriorating. Thankfully, because Ernest gets put pulled into custody, or into lock she he gets locked up she is finally taken to a hospital and is able to recover which is good to see good to see that happening great performance from another aspect of lily gladstone's performance that is amazing of her going from this common composed to being somebody that's on death's door absolutely great uh and then what this movie, which I love, that justifies this long runtime is how they set up everything in the beginning part of this movie, introducing us and showing us all of the crimes that are being committed, right? And now in this last third, which that's when the FBI comes in, it's like that last third of this movie where I got a shot of adrenaline. I'm like, ooh, here we go. I got to see how this all ends. I have like a burst of energy for the last third of this movie, seeing what the FBI is going to do. And it's interesting seeing the FBI investigating all of these crimes that we've already seen happen and seeing how people flip. It's just such an interesting kind of uh, justification for the runtime. Because if you had cut this down to like a two-hour movie then a lot of it probably would have been told through the fbi investigating and then maybe flashbacks to the crimes as opposed to just seeing kind of the natural progression of all these crimes happening and then the fbi getting involved and seeing how all that starts to crumble down i think is a lot more satisfying and there's a lot of actors in this third act that I was not expecting Jesse Plemons, who I love anytime I see Jesse Plemons in something, he's great as the FBI investigator, John Lithgow coming in as one of the lawyers, Brendan Frazier, another lawyer, both great. The third act is a dose of energy. Like I said, gets me stoked, uh, just to see how it all unfolded. Um, and like I said, great long one shot of Ernest as a witness on the stand as he's just coming clean with everything that he was poisoning his own wife, the the plan to get all the land from these people and how it was all orchestrated by William Hale. And it's all just one singular shot on DiCaprio 
and his face and just the way he's acting with his face, thinking about answers, thinking about what they're asking. Like you, like it's so great, so great. The best, amazing performance from DiCaprio in that moment. And then you have, after kind of everything gets done, we the the case, right, kind of ends with DiCaprio's uh, testimony, and then we get the wrap up of every the fallout of everything. What actually happened? Who went to jail? What happened? The fallout of all this stuff, and the way it's told is so interesting that is in many ways very common to current culture, where. And this time it was told via this radio onstage radio show with like live folly, which is very interesting. But it's very similar in many ways to what a true crime podcast is, where if you listen to true crime podcasts that are well produced, they have sound effects and scores and things. They're not necessarily done live on a stage with an audience as this radio show is. But it's basically what a true crime podcast would have been back in those times where it's recapping like who went to jail, what happened, um, which I, I appreciate that because that's our modern day culture is like how we really learn about anything is through true crime podcast, just the obsession with true crime podcasts and to kind of see that expressed in the version that is uh the 1920s or 30s or whenever that radio thing was supposed to be going on and then also having scorsese himself finishing this movie reading molly burkhart's uh obituary which i thought that was great as well um and then of course while the credits roll we have a great drum circle um but i like this movie a lot Right, a very tragic story from the perspective of the criminals, as many Scorsese films are tragic from the perspective of the bad guys. Um, but a different kind of organized organized crime that we're used to seeing from Scorsese. Right, also it's cool to see him um, in this as a little cameo, as there were so many cameos in this movie anyway. Uh, probably the most evil character De Niro has played, I would assume, off the top of my head. Um, and he's played a lot of bad guys, don't get me wrong, but the evil involved with this character and the plan that was orchestrated and the amount of people killed was just, is just, he was a cancer. He would, like, he's never played a human cancer before in the way he is in this movie. Right, the plan to take the land away from a, a you know, in a combination of ways, right, from getting these dudes to marry the women and then have them sign over the land as they start to get poisoned um, or just killing them outright along with you know killing the ones that weren't married or the men that were involved right which suicide and and drink poisoning the alcohol uh, was another way they were doing it um when it all comes unraveled, you know, we find out, you know, that there were hundreds of them killed at this point, which is just crazy. It's crazy. And then nobody knew who was responsible. Meanwhile, the one guy that presents himself as someone who wants to help them more than anyone. He's the one. He's the wolf, not in sheep's clothing. He's the wolf in shepherd clothing. He was the one guiding them to the slaughter. And it's just evil. I'm telling evil. And seeing Ernest knowingly poison his wife is brutal. Such an interesting character in general. Trying to do what's best for him in a lot of situations. But then kind of going back and forth during the whole trial situation. And I, ultimately I'm glad that he finally came clean in the end. In that amazing you know, performance that he gives. Glad Molly survived, right? And a great movie. I hate that history in this country is taught so selectively, right? That we never hear these stories, right? So many atrocities and acts of genocide that are just covered up 
They're not discussed. They're allowed to just fade away in obscurity. You know, there's so many stories, whether it's with the Native Americans or even with the black communities in this in this country where like whole cities were flooded. Black communities just leveled, destroyed because they're not allowed to progress. They're not allowed to thrive. And we see that in other countries as well, especially countries that have resources. They're not allowed to thrive. And by far, they're not allowed to be socialist or communist. That even worse, even worse, one of the main reasons they love to overthrow governments. <laughs> it's like if you're not a capitalist or fascist, then you are more, more than likely going to be overturned. But uh, just sad that we have to learn a lot of these stories through movies. Um, just learning history via movies. It's just the worst way to learn facts. And uh, I'm actually curious to know how accurate this film is. After, uh, probably, I will search one of my favorite history podcasts and see if they've done uh, done an episode on this story. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if they have. Uh, regardless, it was a great film, and I'm excited uh, I'm excited to watch more of Scorsese's films and fill in my blind spots on his entire filmography because he's still got it. I'm in, I, he's a, one of the best directors, and uh, this was a great film. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of The Ray Taylor Show. I do hope you enjoyed my thoughts on Killers of the Flower Moon. Don't forget to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for more movie and TV show reviews. And join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or over on YouTube.com slash Inspired Disorder where all these episodes are available in video format. Until next time, enjoy the show. Subscribe to The Ray Taylor Show on YouTube and everywhere podcasts are found. Binge the full week ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Purchase Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace out. Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.